prefer to be giving you an expository sermon. Uh, that's where I'm most comfortable. Um, and so today I'm not going to be preaching to you, and I'm not necessarily even going to be teaching from the Bible. We will look at some biblical principles and how they apply. But, but I would say it this way. I, I think the most good in the entire universe is that the gospel will be fulfilled in people's lives. Our only hope to escape the brokenness we have is through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the recreation that he brings. But having said that, I look at the story of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan did not bring a theological discourse to the man who was hurting. But instead he bound up his wounds and he took care of him where he was at. And I find myself so often on college campuses wanting to present the gospel to people. But they are in such pain and sorrow and hurt and are on the brink of sometimes even ending their own lives, that the immediate need is to bandage up their wounds and to help them make it to the next day so that we can hopefully in the future have an opportunity for them to know the gospel. And so I say out to say is what I'm telling you today is not the gospel. What I'm offering you today is really a bandage for wounds that is temporary. The only thing that is a permanent solution to the brokenness in our life is Jesus. The only hope we have for full restoration of everything that's broken us is Jesus. However, I think it's important because Jesus wants to bandage up our wounds in the here and now. Jesus cares about our life in the here and now. And so that's why it's important that we're going to take time today to talk about it. Now, I want to give, uh, so I'm going to do a little triage and then I'm going to do a disclaimer. Okay? So what we're going to talk about today, for some of you, it may feel deeply personal, even though I'm going to be generic with some of my, my discussion. For some of you, it may bring up real pain and real problems that are hard for you to deal with. And I, I want to go ahead right now and give you permission that at any point you need to go for a walk, that's okay. I know it's crowded. Find your way out. If, if you don't want to get up and walk out, you can like get lost in your phone and scroll Instagram, and I will not judge you if you don't make eye contact with me and you need to check out because some of the things are just too much for you right now. That's okay. So I want to give you permission to disengage at any point if any of this is too real or too difficult or too painful for you. I also want to encourage you to evaluate where you are at right now, and maybe this conversation that we're going to have isn't the conversation that you need to have right now. It may be helpful, and this is probably going to be posted online, and you can come back and listen to it in a couple months, but maybe right now you need to go talk with your pastor or your small group leader. You need to talk to someone who can help you. So know where you're at, know yourself, know your limitations, and if you need to be excused, if you need to check out mentally, that's okay. I want to give you permission to do that. Okay, everybody okay with that? All right. Now, disclaimer. I am not licensed to practice counseling in the state of Georgia, so I am not a counselor. I am not a physician. I am not a doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice of any kind. I'm a pastor. But guess what? I'm not even your pastor, most of you. Um, you have a pastor, hopefully. Maybe you have a doctor or a counselor. I want to encourage you to follow their advice. If there's a conflict between what I'm saying and what those other people are saying, follow their advice. They know you better than I do. Okay? I'm just a random guy on a random stage, and so I want to, I want to just give this disclaimer. Don't go back and tell your, your counselor or your doctor or your campus pastor that this guy at Salt said I should do XYZ. You're wrong. I'm going to do that, okay? Don't do that, okay? Because your campus pastor is probably going to call me. We're going to have a conversation. I'm going to say no, I didn't say that, okay? All right, so that's, uh, that's our disclaimer. That's our, our triage, and we're fixing to jump in. So if you guys have been in Kyle how many of you have been in Kyle for more than two years? You may have seen this. I've seen it a lot. Uh, people come in, they, they get really involved, they come to small group, they come to large group, maybe they meet one-on-one -on -one with their small group leader, maybe they're meeting one-on-one -on -one with the staff member, or even the campus pastor, and it seems like they're all in for Jesus. But something happens, that person becomes a little bit more distant, they seem disconnected, and maybe a friend just notices, hey, you're not yourself. And so 
maybe that small group leader, campus pastor, staff, whoever, says, hey, are you doing okay? Are you sleeping okay? Are you eating? Are you, are you well? And what often happens is that person says, well, actually, I'm not okay. This thing happened, and this other thing happened, and it turns out all these things happened. They're dealing with whatever. Uh, for the purpose you know, of our conversation, I may just use the word pain generically. Um, I'll talk about that here in a minute. But these people seem to realize something's wrong in this person's life. And so they're not okay seeing their friend or their small group member or student uh, in pain. And so they try to help. They try to talk about, hey, what's going on? And what happens a lot of times is this student will begin to deal with some of the things that are going on in their lives. Maybe it's trauma from the past. Maybe it's an assault. Maybe it's parents getting divorced. Maybe it's a death in the family. It can be any number of different things. And they try to deal with this, and they, they try to get help. But what often happens is when people go and, and they find them place, themselves in a dark place or a difficult place, they don't like the way they look in front of other people. We don't like to be vulnerable. We don't like people to see, like, the bad stuff, the dirty stuff, the hard stuff in us. And what, what usually happens, and I'm telling you this, I want to warn you, what usually happens is, is I minister to people who are in that place in life, and I do everything I can to help them find healing and help. Maybe that means I put them in my car and I drive them to a counseling center because I say, I'm afraid you're going to hurt yourself. You have to get help. Maybe it means I just encourage them. Maybe it means I say, hey, you should talk to a doctor. Maybe you need medication. We have those conversations, however difficult they are. People get better, and they look back in shame going, that person now knows the really bad stuff and the real brokenness in my heart. And now I'm ashamed because I'm not that person anymore. I don't, I don't like that they know that. So now I'm going to leave those people and go somewhere been in Kyle for any length of time, you know people that hit a low place in their life and they felt so ashamed on the back end, so dirty because people helped them through it, so vulnerable that it's so hard for them to do the things I'm going to try to talk to you today about that I'm going to recommend. And I just want to kind of warn you that that is often the trap. That if we do the things that are necessary to be whole and healthy, it is going to necessarily involve some level of vulnerability, and there is going to be an instinct at some point that when, once people know things about you, you're going to be uncomfortable in some way. Okay, so this is my warning up front. Don't run. Don't run from the people who are trying to help you. Don't, don't push back and think, oh, because they saw me at my lowest, that now I, I can't be myself. So that's my warning. I have slides. I should use them, right? Here we go. <laughs> Triage, we did that. Disclaimer, we did that, right? Pain. Unpleasant emotions or feelings of distress that affect our ability to function rationally. You guys ever been in like pain? I had kidney stones one time. It was terrible, right? Um, listen, I didn't care about anything but making the pain stop. I just said, whatever drugs you need to give me, make it stop. I, to be honest, I wasn't thinking about, are my kids okay? I wasn't thinking about, if my wife's okay? I woke my wife up at 3 a.m. and said, I need you to drive me to the hospital. I can't drive myself because I can't stop vomiting because the pain's so bad. Please fix it. Right? When we're in pain, we're distracted from reality. When we're in pain, we're not thinking clearly. We just want the pain to stop. Pain can be a lot of different things. For one person... Pain might be the feeling of being so depressed that you have no energy to do anything and the powerlessness that you feel to fix yourself. Pain might be the anxiety that you feel that you are fearful of something in the future or something right now and you, you can't fix it and you live with that emotional weight. Pain can be the result of trauma or things you've experienced in the past. When I say pain, these are the things that I'm talking about. So today, I have bad news. Pain is inevitable. Pain is inevitable. You 
are all going to experience things that seem unimaginable. You're all going to experience tragedy and trauma and things that I would never wish on my worst enemy, and there's no way to escape it. You're going to lose someone that you really care about. It's going to happen. Your heart's going to be broken by someone. Someone's going to betray you. You're not going to be good enough for something. You're not going to be smart enough for something. You're not going to achieve some goal. There is something in your life that is going to bring you pain, and something will bring you more pain than you ever imagined. And it is the reality of the human existence that pain is the biggest problem that we wrestle with with Christians. And so today, I'm not going to tell you how to avoid pain because pain is unavoidable. But there's a difference between pain and unmitigated pain. So there's studies done on, on small children. Uh, my wife and I were foster parents. And so, unfortunately, we see a lot of brokenness that exists in our world. And we, we take in kids who've been through things that, to be honest, it makes me uncomfortable to describe to other people the things they say to me. And the reality is, is most kids have no coping mechanisms to deal with the pain that they deal with. As we grow as adults, we learn coping skills. We learn coping mechanisms that help us to process pain in a healthy way. To be honest, pain can actually be healthy for you if you have adequate coping skills to help you process that. But pain, when you have no coping skills, actually really destroys your brain. It affects your ability to learn. Listen, if you're in pain, you are not learning in class. If you're in pain mentally and emotionally, you're not absorbing a lot of what's being said in your large group or your small group. If you're in pain, no amount of theological discourse or teaching is going to help you if you have pain that you can't cope with. So today, what I want to talk to you about is how do we cope with pain in a healthy way, and what are some biblical principles that help us cope with pain? Is that okay? Great, I'm in charge, so we're going to do this. So for your benefit, I'm going to kind of classify this into three categories of coping structures. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about three important coping structures in your life, and then we're going to talk about some things that disrupt those coping structures and how maybe uh, you can restore some of that disruptive things in those coping structures. So we're going to talk about three coping structures, okay? So pain is coming. Are you ready? Do you have the structures in place now that when the storm hits, that you will be able to weather the storm. Now, some of you, again, disclaimer, you may be in the middle of the storm right now. Trying harder to fix it may not be the best solution right now for you in the middle of the storm. Okay? These are coping structures that are going to help prepare you to be more mentally and emotionally resilient. Now, healthy relationship with Jesus, healthy community, healthy responsibility. Number one, healthy relationship with daily regeneration of our broken hearts. It is built into every human being to be religious. Even if you're an atheist, there is something built into you, hardwired into you, to be religious. And what we see, and you probably have friends, right? You have a secularist friend, or an atheist friend, maybe a deist friend, right? Maybe they don't study the Bible and always talk about Scripture and Jesus the way you do, but maybe for them, their religion is their political view. Maybe their religion is some other worldview or philosophical view. It is built into all of us to search for the meaning of life. It is built in all of us to have a moral right and a moral wrong. We seek for the moral guidance. We seek for purpose because of who we are. And so everyone is seeking for some sort of guidance morally, some sort of purpose. I would submit to you that Jesus is the only rightful conclusion of that search, that Jesus is the only one in true religion that's worth our while. A healthy relationship with Jesus is a daily generation of our broken hearts. Okay. So some scriptures, Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, this is what it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him 
with the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Later Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of a prison to those who are in bonds, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance um, of our God, to, to comfort all who mourn. The gospel is a gospel of healing. Now, to say that the gospel is exclusively about the healing of your broken heart is not a true statement. But it is, it is baked into the atonement, this idea that Jesus knows exactly the pain you feel. Jesus alone can give purpose to the pain you feel. And Jesus alone can offer you hope for the pain that you feel. Even at this, at this point in your life, you are not committed to the person of Jesus. Even if you have not surrendered to him as both Lord and Savior, I would submit this to you. That you need a moral structure, you need a purpose structure that is higher than you. And if your purpose structure and your moral structure rest within your own person, you will be filled with anxiety all the days of your life. Because you are hopeless to discern what is really right and wrong. What will happen is you will face a moral dilemma. You will face something where you have to choose between, between two friends. You have to confront some wrong, some atrocity that you see in the world. And you'll see that, and if you try with your own ability to discern what is moral and what is immoral, what is right and what is wrong, it will suck the life out of you. Because you are not built to be able to figure those types of things out. You are built to look to something else to decide for you what is the moral right and what is the moral wrong, what is the real purpose of humanity. And so I would submit to you, only out of practicality at this point. Okay, so if you're not a believer, I'm just saying it is practical that your life, that you will be more mentally and emotionally healthy if you will trust in Jesus to determine what's morally right and wrong and trying to figure it out for yourself. If, if in, the, in the minutia of your lives, right, this is how drama happens, right? You guys have this drama, like this person says this, and this person says this, but then this person says this, and you feel trapped to decide who's really right and who's really wrong. And it, like, that stuff weighs on you. And you are not built to be the arbiters of right and wrong. And so, a daily relationship with Jesus, a person, a relationship with the real person of Jesus, will daily regenerate your broken heart. Secondly, healthy community. It reminds you who you are. It directs you when you are dis uh, disoriented. And it picks you up when you are down. Guys, I have news for you. You were not meant to define yourselves. Right? There's this thing in our society that is toxic for our mental and emotional health. And it's this idea that you get to decide the true you. This is a weight that you were not meant to carry. Our identity is best found in community. We are communal beings that were created for community. And the problem, the reason that we struggle so much when we're isolated is because we are held captive to every thought and every whim that runs through our minds. And there's no escape from them. And we'll talk a little bit more about those thoughts and how they hold us captive. But if you are not in community, if you are isolated from other people who can encourage and help and strengthen you, the problem that you're going to face is you're going to find difficulty, and one of the first things you're going to try to evaluate is, whose fault is it? Well, was it my fault? Did I do that wrong? Should I have done the other thing? Should I have done this? Should I have done this? And some of you have done this. You've played this out a million different ways, and you can't rest, because every time you get still, every time that your brain is not entertained by some like mental chewing gum, your brain defaults back to that thing that's bugging you to decide who was really right and who was really wrong, and you rehearse it over and over and over and over in your mind because you're searching for is it my fault, whose fault is it? We're searching for these things, and the reality is, is we need people around us where we can say, hey, 
like, this is the thing. This is what happened. This is what she said. This is what he said. This is what I did. This is what my mom did when I was little, whatever. We need people around us who can hear our story, who can hear what's going on, and then they say, this is, this is who you are. This is who I see you as. This is the person I know you as. We need outside people to help show us who we are, because in the middle of our pain, we are not logical. In the middle of our pain, we do one of two things. We either vilify ourselves or we vilify other people. It's a default for us. Either somebody else did this to me, and I'm angry, and I'm going to do vengeance, and I'm going to just ruminate all day, every day on why they're wrong and how I'm going to fix it, or I'm a terrible person. Nobody likes me. I'm going to just stay in my word and never come out because who ever loves me? And the reality is, is we need people around us to show us that neither of those extremes are real, that it's really somewhere in the middle, and we need people to help us keep, keep us anchored. These scriptures uh, will actually complete that here. Uh, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, the one can help the other. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But who can keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. You need healthy community. And I know for some of you, this, like if you're like that introverted person, you're like, yeah, but I need time to recharge my batteries. Like, people in Kyle, but they're always doing stuff, and they're always having a party, and it's just like, oh, can you guys stop inviting me to stuff, right? I get it. I'm the extrovert. It's like dragging people along. You know, that's why some people in here are like, just drug here. You don't even know how you got here. It's like, I adopted you as my friend. It's okay. <laughs> you know, you, you, can, you can have personal boundaries and have community. Listen, I, I think, I think what, what we need to understand is when I say community, I don't mean people that you're best friends with and you spend every waking moment with. That's okay. You can have those people. But what I mean is, you need people around you that help form your identity, that help tell you who you are, that have a license to speak into your life. You need people that when you're being stupid, they can look at you with love in their heart and say, you are being dumb. Stop right now. You're being childish. And you need more than one of those people. Listen, this is one of the biggest mistakes I see. Right? There's this phrase that's really old. Hopefully you don't do it anymore. Accountability partners. Like, that's the dumbest idea ever. Okay? It's terrible. It works until you're mad at that one person. No, I, so I've seen this. I see, I see husbands and wives. Like, they are the end-all, be-all for the other person. They're the confidant. They're everything. And listen, your spouse should be that. Right? But, like, you need other points of connection in your life because what happens when you're mad at that person? Who do you talk to? Right? If your girlfriend or boyfriend is like the everything in your life, that's not healthy. Right? Because you're gonna, that person's going to break your heart. They're going to betray you. You're not going to have anything else to anchor you in reality to tell you, you who you really are in those moments. And so you're going to be left with pain that you cannot cope with. So we're talking, we're talking about structures to help us cope with the inevitability of the pain that's coming our way. If we'll build these structures into the way we do life, if we'll make it a point to tell people, listen, if you think that like something's off with me, you should ask. We need to like let make sure people know that about you. Maybe you assume that you have that level of relationship, but like maybe they don't realize that. Maybe, maybe like they think you're gonna be alright. And they think, well, I don't want to butt into their business. But you need these people to remind you who you are, to direct you when you're disoriented, right? Sometimes you're, you're like, want to change your major five times in a week, right? Because you're like panicking and freaking out. I'm like, well, so I said, hey, listen, the sky's not going to fall. 
You can change your major. Let's do it next week. You need those people in your life to listen. I'm going to tell you how to live your life. You can make whatever choice you want. Just don't make it right now. Because you're in pain and you're not thinking logically. You need those people in your life. All right? And you need people to help you up when you're down. All right. All right, even Look at all my I'm not used to hooking my own slides, guys. I'm very experienced here. All right. So listen, this community thing is probably the hardest, right? The relationship with Jesus part, right? That's like what all of Salt Conference is really about. Um, the last one here in a minute, uh, responsibility we'll get to. But, but relationships are hard because people are messy, right? Like people are dumb. They do dumb things. They say dumb things. They hurt our feelings. We misunderstand what they meant to say. All this drama, right? Relationships are hard. Listen, dating relationships are like, like if I could just like suspend people's desire to be in dating relationships while they're in college, my job, my job would be so much easier. <laughs> like, because relationships make life messy because we don't do a good job. Let's just be honest. Like, most of you don't know anybody who's ever began or ended a dating relationship in a healthy way. Like, like most people, they enter a dating relationship and they're mad at everybody and like everybody's all sad and we got to pick sides now because, you know, who's the winner? It's, it's awkward, it's weird, like people get divorced and they take it out on their kids and they make dumb decisions because they're hurting and they're in pain and they're not logical so they do dumb stuff. Listen, can I just, this will help you. I'm not excusing any bad thing that anybody has ever done to you, okay? But the next time someone does something stupid, and just sit back and go, they're broken, fallen people corrupted by sin. What did I expect? Think about it. Like, the intent of man's heart is always on evil. Right? If we were to sit down and I interview, I'm really good at like telling people are lying to me. It's like something I picked up, I guess, uh, doing counseling. But like, we could sit down and I could ask you questions. I could find out the truth. Right? And I could like, find out things in like five minutes of conversation with you that you don't want people in this room to know. Because guess what? You're a broken person too. And you act out of your own brokenness. And you hurt other people. Listen, I think I'm a decent pastor most of the time. Can I tell you, like, I hate this, but in my intent, intent to serve Jesus, I have hurt a lot of people unintentionally. Because I was broken. I wasn't aware of my own pain. I wasn't aware of my own bias. I wasn't aware. I was just, I wasn't aware sometimes. And it wasn't that I meant to do harm, but I'm the villain in some people's stories just because I'm a broken person. And so we have to learn how to have community in a healthy way. Because what's going to happen is we're going to have an idea of community. You guys know who A.W. Tozer is, right? You should go read everything Tozer ever wrote. Start with Knowledge of the Holy, right? Knowledge of the Holy is great. Um, good stuff. Uh, also Bonhoeffer. You guys should read Bonhoeffer, right? Read Bonhoeffer. Uh, these guys are great. They're going to help you. But, but Bonhoeffer, he has this book about it's called Life Together. Really good book, right? In Life Together, Bonhoeffer says, those who love their idea of community are destined to destroy community. Right? Your expectations of other human beings will destroy your relationship with other human beings because they will never meet your expectations because they are just as broken and flawed as you are. And you're not going to meet their expectations. Now, Three reasons that we struggle coping, they come back to these relationships. One of three things. This is uh, this is Justin's uh, theory. I had to write my own theory paper of why people can't cope uh, in grad school. And so I came up with this. That people don't cope well because of broken relationships, right? Um, somebody hurt you. Something bad happened, right? Inappropriate relationships. Guys, we are terrible at having appropriate boundaries. We took a survey, asked a few questions. I bet most of you have a hard time saying no at the right time and saying yes at the right time. And even a staff, most of us, our lives are unmanageable because we lack any semblance of real control over our relationships in a healthy way. And then three, a lack of relationship. We just simply, either we've been hurt and so we don't have them, or we have a million superficial friendships but no real uh, relationship with people in the community that will speak into our lives. And so I think if we look really deeply at those who are dealing with pain and can't cope, there's usually 
something here going on. And so we've got to find a way to deal with the brokenness. We've got to find a way to correct our inappropriate ways of relating to other people. Uh, usually that's a boundary issue. And we've got to deal with our whatever fear or superficiality is causing us not to have those deep relationships that we have, that we need. Now, healthy responsibility. So we're going to cover this last of these three points, and then we're going to talk about the things that cause us to struggle. All right, we're, we're good on time. Healthy responsibility. Now, responsibility. That sounds fun, right? I better raise your hand if you want more responsibility in life. Right? We have this saying in Chi Alpha, right? If you do something well, great, we'll give you more responsibility. Right? If you do really well leading your small group, well, guess what? They're going to let you lead a resource group and have more responsibility. And if you do well with that, then maybe we'll invite you to do a CNIT. And if you do well with that, we'll put you in charge of like a million different things. And we're just going to keep pouring stuff on you and keep pouring stuff on you, right? Part of this comes back to boundaries. We have to have a healthy level of responsibility. Some of you can't say no, and you have a hero complex, and you want to save the day. This is me, right? I, I had to find a way to, like, kill Super Pastor, right? Because I needed to be everything to everyone all the time and, like, save all the lost people on my campus, right? And it was never good enough for me. And that level of false responsibility was killing me. For some of you, like responsibility is like a terrible word, and you want none of that, right? You want a job where like you can mindlessly clock in and clock out, and if like the place burns down tomorrow, you just move on because like it doesn't matter. And for some of you, like responsibility is super scary. Neither of those are healthy. As I mentioned earlier, we all need a purpose. You need a reason to get up in the mornings. Okay? You need a reason to have a regular schedule. Most days, you need a reason to rest. You need a reason to eat food. You need some semblance of purpose and responsibility in your life. So, one of the not so fun things of campus ministry is usually about once a semester, I find myself having a face to face conversation with a student who's considering ending their life. Those are really, really not fun conversations. Okay? I would rather be called to have those conversations at midnight than not be called. But those are hard conversations. And listen, we, we actually train our small group leaders how to, how to do this type of practice intervention because if you serve in a small group, the reality is, is you're probably the person that that other person trusts the most. And if they've been sexually assaulted, if they've had trauma in their past, you're, you may be the first person they ever share that with. And that's going to be a difficult moment. If you like, like I'm a small group leader and I don't know how to do this, like ask your campus pastor to help you figure that out, okay, so that you're prepared. But, but when people are in that moment, when they're in that moment of crisis and they're not sure if they can deal with the pain anymore, listen, maybe they're thinking about hurting somebody else that caused them the pain. Maybe they're thinking about hurting themselves. Maybe they're not going to hurt anybody. They're just going to make some really terrible, drastically unfortunate choice. It's going to harm their future. But that person in that, that moment, that pain can be so great that there are very, very few things that will enable that person to resist giving in. To resist giving in to whatever is going to make the pain go away. I'm, I'm sure all of you, right, you've tried doing good things out of just sheer willpower, right? Like some of you, you may you're supposed to be at the gym today, and like you already like broke into your your resolution because like your willpower is limited, right? When I talk about coping, I mean we're talking about things that can help you overcome that pain. Responsibility is one of the strongest things that will help you cope in that moment of pain. When when we sit down with people, or I sit down with people who are who are thinking about ending their lives, and I have to make a decision: can I let this person go to their own home tonight? Or do we need to go to the emergency room or, or call an ambulance or a police officer? Do we need to intervene? Am I afraid something terrible is going to happen if this person is left alone? When, when you're processing that, one of the things you ask is, what is it that you need to do tomorrow? What is it that you're looking forward to this week? What is it that's going to go undone? And sometimes it's the smallest thing, 
Like, I need to feed my dog because if I don't come home, my dog will starve. Sometimes it can be the most insignificant of responsibilities, but responsibility is powerful in your life. Because responsibility in that moment of pain, when people want to end it all, or when you think you can't go on anymore, when your life is so unmanageable that you just can't go on, responsibility and purpose will somehow, it can give you the strength that you need to make the next right choice in that moment. And so one of the mistakes we make is we live lives, we don't want to be encumbered, we don't want to be anxious or worried, and so we don't want to take on responsibility. We, we pass on every opportunity to serve or to be important in other people's lives, and we find ourselves with no real sense of purpose or meaning. We find ourselves that if I don't show up tomorrow, no one will notice and no one will care. And that's a dangerous place. You need responsibility in your life to cope well. Now, you need healthy responsibility. Some of you on the other side, your sense of worth comes from what you can do and the recognition that you can get. And so because of that, you are unable to rest. Because I have bad news. Right? Firemen, they take shifts. I don't know if you guys ever noticed it. They take shifts. Because emergencies never stop. Emergencies never stop. And if you feel responsible for everything in the world, you will never rest. The hardest thing for me as a pastor is to know when not to answer the phone. To ask the question, is someone going to die if this conversation waits till tomorrow at 10 o'clock? Okay, I'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Having, having the ability to, to make those boundaries, to have healthy responsibility, um, we use an equipment trailer to haul our stuff back and forth to campus. Maybe some of you guys do the same thing. And uh, we keep locks on it, right, to keep us built in, right? And so I use this analogy. What if I said, hey, I'm going to pick you in the yellow shirt. Can I pick on you? What's your name? Lala. Lala. Lala, you are in charge of setting up sound equipment. The trailer's parked at my house. I'll give you my address. Good luck. Okay? So Lala goes to my house. I don't know, maybe she finds a vehicle with a trailer hitch, whatever. Uh, bars on, and she, she drives the trailer to campus. It's a place we meet. The only problem is I never gave Lala a key to the trailer and it's locked. Lala, you're responsible and everyone's counting on you to make everything happen. But I'm not going to give you the key. And this is what we do when we take responsibility for things that we don't have authority over. When we take responsibility for fixing Everybody's problems, listen, I want everybody on my campus to come to know Jesus. I, like, I feel that burden heavily. It breaks my heart every semester when international students leave not believing in Jesus. And I think, wow, they're going back into a dark place and I, I miss my shot. And it weighs on me. It really does. But I don't have the power to make those decisions for those people. And if I own that responsibility, it will kill me. And so we have to find this healthy balance of responsibility where I, I have purpose and I have meaning and I'm responsible to and for other things, but it's a healthy level of responsibility. Uh, I'm taking too much time on responsibility. We need to move on here. Uh, Genesis 2.15, um, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Responsibility was built into God's original creation. Responsibility is not a result of the fall. Responsibility predates the fall. Toil was the thing that was added, uh, not responsibility after the fall. Ephesians, by the way, in the new creation, you will all have responsibility. Anyways, Ephesians 2.10, uh, For we are his workmanship and created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus wants you to have responsibility. Healthy responsibility, right? Uh, all right. Now, Albert Ellis. You guys ever heard of that guy? Somebody took like Psych 101, right? No, nobody knows Albert Ellis, but that's fine. He's a psychologist. He he came up with this idea. It's called the ABCs of belief. Um, what he says is that most people's inability 
to cope or to be well-adjusted or whatever language. Most people's inability to achieve success in life, to be the person they want to be, is not about external factors, but about internal factors. Okay? Now be careful. I'm not blaming everything on you. Okay, hear me. Everybody's external factors are different, and the pain that some of you have experienced to be here today is different than others. And I'm not saying that there are not varying levels of pain and difficulty in life. But it's amazing how resilient human beings can be if they have appropriate coping structures. I think Corey Tinboom is like one of the craziest things, like the fact that she could be a kind and loving person after enduring the atrocities of Nazi concentration camps is a testament to the resiliency that God has built in us. But everyone has a different threshold, right? Not everybody can endure the same level of pain. Listen, some of you aspire to be a minister. Get ready for the pain, right? Some people have different thresholds for pain, and that's okay. But, but Albert Ellis says that, that really our, our journey towards being whole or healthy, it, it doesn't lie with the outside things because there's no way we can have a perfect life. Even if we try to protect ourselves from pain, even the things we do to protect ourselves, they will cause us more pain. Right? You guys have done this in your own life. You've tried to protect yourself from pain, and in the process of trying to protect yourself from pain, you actually cause more harm. You miss out on something. You cause regret. And so what Albert Ellis says is that the ABCs of belief, he says that, that ultimately it's our own beliefs that we really struggle with the most, that cause the most anxiety and sadness is the way we think about things. And so he says that this idea that there's an activating event, there's a belief that comes from that, and then there's a consequence from that. Um, I, I like to think of it in this way. Oh, did my clicker die on me? We're so close, guys. <sighs> i got to walk all the way over here. There we go. So it looks something like this. And this joker right here, this is what interferes with your ability to have a relationship with Jesus. This is what interferes with your ability to, to have real community. This is what interferes with your ability to have healthy responsibility, okay? So what happens? We have some sort of trauma, some bad event, something doesn't go our way, somebody does something wrong. It, it could be major, it could be minor. I'll, I'll give you an example for me, okay? I don't, I don't like authority, okay? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm better with it now, like, Lord, help me. But, like, I, I used to be deathly afraid. So, I told my pastor one time, I thought the Lord was calling me to ministry. His response was, well, we'll just pray the Lord will send you a wife, because God doesn't use unmarried people. True story. Listen, I thought I had heard the voice of God. And I'm pouring my heart out to my pastor. He's like, oh, maybe we'll get married because, you know, you'll never have the anointing in the pulpit that you'll have as a, uh, a married man. That hurt. Can I just be honest? Like that? Like it, it messed with my mind. And the next time, the next time I felt the Lord leading me to do something, here's what I thought. Oh, I should talk to someone in authority. But what if they, like, shut me down and I know I've heard the voice of God and they give me some ridiculous answer? So you know what I need to do? I need to find a way around that. I need to get around those people in authority. Because people in authority, like, they just want to mess up God's plans, right? This is what's going on in my mind. I, be, I became, I, I was, guys, I was fearful anytime that I would put my ideas out to someone in authority because I was so afraid that they were going to have the ultimate authority to say yes or no to God's plans for my life. And that was really scary for me. And so I didn't trust people in authority. I mean, I was doing my CMIT. It was paralyzing that my CMIT director could decide. In my mind, I thought he could decide whether or not I get to be a campus pastor one day or not. I was so fearful. Like, what if he says something dumb, like, you need to, I was already married. Or like, what if there's some other... Obstacle and like that scared me. So I had this experience that caused the belief that now I have these feelings, right? So guess what? The next time I have conflict with a person in authority, 
instead of handling it in a healthy way, all my emotions, they burst out. I say stupid things that I shouldn't say. I act fearful or I act angry. I act inappropriately, which causes that person to go, something's wrong with you. I don't think you're hearing from God. Which then reinforces it, and the cycle goes on and on and on and on and on. You see how that works? And so we, we get stuck in this cycle, and it's our own beliefs, and then the feelings and the actions that keep us hostage. It, it keeps us from having healthy community. Because maybe you got burned in church one time, and you have all these thoughts and ideas in your mind that... All these worst-case scenarios that you're playing out, and because you can't get over these fears and ideas and beliefs in your mind, you can't get over the feelings that are attached, so you're behaving in that same pattern. And people are like, wow, that guy's weird. I don't want to hang out with him. You're like, see? What's right? People are out to get me. And so, so we have to figure out a way to deal with this. Hey, it's working again. So can you guys see it? Somebody try to see if that works. You have a hand up. Yes. You have a question? Yes, sir. All right, go for it. It can, yes. Absolutely. All right. All right. I hope this works. Oh. I'm sorry. I have one copy if you guys want to share. I'll tell you what. Here's the thing. This is so small. Yeah. All right. I, was gonna, I can put the slide up, but the writing's really small, and I want you guys to add this. I tell you what, guys, I'll leave this up, and when we're done, if you want to walk up here and scan it, you can. But for time's sake, I need to move on because I have less than 15 minutes. Okay? All right, so I've talked to you about three coping structures, right? Your relationship with Jesus, community, and responsibility. Okay? You need these three things to help you cope with the pain that you're going to experience in life. You need to build this in advance into your life, right? You need you need a routine. By the way, I didn't say this earlier. Like you, your circadian rhythm and like eating, so like when you go to sleep, when you wake up, it matters. Eat food in the morning even if you're not hungry. Go to bed even if you're not sleepy, right? I can usually tell where people are mentally and emotionally by asking them two questions. What what did you eat yesterday? How much sleep did you get last night? That's usually very telling. Okay? You need those things. You need routine in your life to be healthy. All right? So this thing right here, we talked about relationship with Jesus, community, responsibility. So what happens is we all have been deceived. We all have misconstrued the reality of the universe because of bad experiences in our life. Listen. I'm not trying to tell you how to reinterpret the experiences that you've had, okay? I'm not saying that person that hurt you was, was right. Okay, I'm not trying to rewrite any of your history. What I'm telling you is that if you live with the beliefs that you've developed from those things, you will not have the peace that you need. Okay? So if you can see this, it's a really simple list. So on the paper, if you scan it later, there's three sections. There's one about our perception of God. One about our perception of other people that affects community. And one about our perception of ourselves, which affects our ability to pursue purpose. And it's a list of common lies, common deceptions, common false beliefs that we have often developed as a, as an, a response to a negative event, a trauma in our lives. And what I'd like for you guys to do in your own time is to read through this list. And when you do, like some bells are going to go off. You're like, ah, I do think that's right. It's those things that we talked about earlier, like a person in authority burned me one time. I can't trust a person in authority again. I need to find a way around people in authority. Right? That's something. Maybe, maybe, maybe it had to do with your thoughts about God, right? God answers other people's prayers, but when my mom or my grandma had cancer, they didn't get healed. So God heals other people but my family. 
God doesn't answer my prayers the way he answers other people's prayers. Other people can do this. I'm just not smart enough to do this. Other people can X, Y, Z, but I can't. Because of that thing that happened to me, I'll never be able to. Whatever. We have these beliefs about God. I'll never be able to trust a guy or a girl because my mom or my dad or someone else betrayed me. We have these thoughts. And, and often we don't verbalize them. This is, this is what I do. I sit down with being one-on-one -on -one with a person. And they'll just be talking. And I'll say, okay. And I'll, I'll slide a pen and a paper and say, I need you to write down that sentence you just said, that thing. Write it down. And they'll write it down. And they'll read it back to me. And they'll read it back to me. I go, you just said that. Yep, I said that. Do you really believe that's true? Well, no, that seems absurd. I know that's not true. But you just said it to me. The reality is some of these things are so deeply ingrained in us. We haven't paid attention. And what I believe is happening is the enemy deceives us when he can insert pain. And through that pain, he can cause these false perceptions about other people, about ourselves, about the character of God. And we live as if this is our reality, and it distorts everything else. Right? And the next time you feel pain, you're not responding to the pain of this specific event. What you're responding to is all the other residual pains that happened all the other times. Because you haven't dealt with the wrong belief that's lying there. And, it, and that belief becomes more deeply and more deeply ingrained every time. And if we can't break this cycle in our life, we will be held captive. That, that no matter how much support we have, no matter how much we try to maintain these three healthy coping structures I've mentioned, to have real relationship with Jesus, to have a healthy relationship with Jesus, healthy community, and healthy responsibility, these things are always going to keep making it break down. They're going to cause us to have inability to make boundaries. Well, if I say no, I'll never get this opportunity again.
something that was contradictory to God's word, if you believed that God just wasn't good or wasn't going to be good to you or didn't hear your prayers or that his plans for you weren't going to be good, if you believe those things, you repent of those things, say, God, I'm sorry. And say, I identify. This thing is a lie. It's wrong. I don't believe that anymore. And then I look in Scripture and say, what is the truth about this belief that I have? What is the truth? And what I usually like to do, I, I'll like look it up on my Bible app, and I'll screenshot it, and then I'll save that as my background or my lock screen, so that every time I look at my phone, I'm reading that text of Scripture to be reminded of the truth that's replacing that deception of that lie that I was struggling with. And so replace, that's the last thing in it. And all that, if you scan the QR code later, that'll all be up there. So these are some things that, that we can do. I also want to encourage you, ask people that, that, that have a license to speak into your life. Hey, is there something wrong with me here? Am I doing something wrong? Do you see a pattern that's unhealthy? Your, your friends will see unhealthy patterns in your life before you will. Right? But if, but if you wait till a moment of crisis and you're in pain and you're seeking for, for meaning in this suffering and they tell you an honest answer, you're probably going to be mad at them. So like, don't wait until like you're in the throes of whatever crisis you're in, because then you're going to be mad at them because they're telling you a truth that's hard for you to hear in the middle of your crisis. Now, I hope this has been helpful. Okay, this this will be helpful for a lot of people if if you can be proactive about doing this. But I, I just want to kind of give this on the on the back end. I work on the university campus. I believe in science. I believe in the scientific method, right? I believe in medicine. I, I, I believe that Jesus healed, but I take my kids to the doctor when they're sick, right? Right? My daughter, she has a growth hormone deficiency, so we give her injections daily, right? We pray that the Lord will re resolve it, but until then, like, she's going to get the medicine, because that's how that works. There's nothing morally wrong with my child, because her body doesn't produce the right chemicals in the right proportions, Okay? I don't think that medicine is always the best answer, right? I believe there are deep spiritual principles that we've neglected. Most of the time we don't cope because we neglect these principles we've talked about. But let me tell you this. If you are hurting, there's nothing morally wrong with you if you need medication to get you through right now. I'm just, just going to give you permission as a pastor. Medication is a gift from God. Don't, now listen, don't go buy it on the street. Go talk to your doctor, <laughs> right? Just be clear. Like, don't, like, get some Zoloft with some random guy in an alley. Okay? Listen, if you have a friend who's struggling, get them the help they need. Bandage their wounds today, and we'll share the gospel tomorrow when they're able to hear it. Okay? If you need help, listen. You all will benefit from talking to a counselor at one point in your life. Okay, I'm telling you. I tell my students, listen, if you're going to one-on-one -on -one with me, you've talked to the counselor at least one point. I'm not their counselor, but uh, I cheat, right? I do, the, I do the thing, and they're like, oh, you did the thing to me again, right? Yeah, I did the thing. <laughs> I made you talk about what you didn't want to talk about, right? There are resources, right? Psychology and counseling, it's not like alchemy or hocus-pocus. Or like casting lots, it's a real science, right? There are things that can really help you. And if you need that, you need to access that without feeling bad. And you need to make sure that the people around you know that these are things that you can access without feeling bad. Because maybe you're not in a place where you can start applying it. Maybe this sounds overwhelming to think about all these things I just told you about. I gotta read my Bible every day, and I gotta start praying, and I gotta make friends, and that's scary, and I gotta take on responsibility. And like that can feel like a lot if you're already in pain. Like I totally get that. So like if you just need to like go talk to a counselor or a doctor, listen, right now, if you have a general practitioner or a family doctor, they'll be able to sit down and talk with you and prescribe you what you need to make you be okay for now. And that's okay. That's okay, right? We would not tell people like my daughter or someone who's diabetic. Uh, you don't really need that. Just trust the Lord, and your uh, your insulin will regulate itself. No, your serotonin levels are probably not going to regulate themselves. And the problem is, until your serotonin levels are regulated, you're probably not going to think clearly enough to do these things that I'm telling you to do. And so that that's something that I want to recommend. Now, 
It is 2.31. I'm a minute over. You guys have another breakout, another mega session starting in about 30 minutes. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to leave this up for you to come stand. And I'm going to stand over here in the corner. And I'm going to take questions for about 10 minutes. Okay? All right? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, now we are fallen and broken creatures. We are corrupted by our own sin. We've been corrupted by the sins of those who came before us. Lord, our entire world is broken and fallen apart, and we are in need of you to come and redeem your creation. Dear Jesus, come quickly. Lord, help us to look to you as our ultimate hope. Help us to look to you as our ultimate goal for redemption. But Lord, in this moment, in our pain, in our suffering, Lord, would you bandage our wounds? Would you bind up our broken hearts? Would you give us healthy coping structures to help us weather the inevitable storms and difficulties in our life? Or would you put communities around us that can strengthen us and hold on to us when we feel like we can't hold on anymore? Lord, would you teach, teach us healthy levels of responsibility to give us purpose and meaning to make this broken world just a little bit better? Lord, we pray for every person here. If there are those who are struggling, Lord, in acute crisis, Lord, we pray that you would send someone them, to them to recognize what's going on and to help them find the help and peace that they need in their life. Lord, we ask that you would give peace to everyone here, that you would teach the hearts of everyone here, and that you would do what only you can do.